Listening Dog Media. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Yes! Oh, yes! The Offside Rule We Get It is brought to you by Continental Tires. Hello there and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast, We Get It, with me, Hayley McQueen. Hello, I'm Lindsay Hooper. And Kate Borsay, hello. Yeah, we're brought to you by Continental Tyres. This is our third season and we're into episode 12 already, girls. But I tell you what, we're taking a break at the moment, aren't we? Not with the podcast, do not fear, but an international break of sorts. So we thought we'd sit back and have a time to reflect on the season so far. We've had a lot of focus on the Premier League, so now it's the turn of the Championship. We're also going to be chatting about David Moyes, of course. David Moyes and other boys are really tough challenge. Do you get it? Real Sociedad, former Manchester United boss, has been named as the new manager of uh, Basque side Real Sociedad. His first job since he left Manchester United. And after doing a bit of research, given the topic which we'll get to later, but it's surprising how many British managers have yeah. managed at Real Sociedad. So yes, we're going to be having a look at other Brits who have taken over from foreign teams. Who should David Moyes be giving a call to get advice from? And who should he not have on his speed dial for advice? We're going to be having a look at uh, basically people who've done brilliantly and others who d- haven't done so well. A bit like Moyes in charge of Manchester United. Our final topic is rumble in the jungle. That's right, Jimmy Bullard has been trending on Twitter for the last week or so. He's gone to Australia to appear in a reality TV show. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. He's already a bookie's favourite to win, unbelievably so. He is a character. So we're going to play programme producers ourselves. Who would you send down under pick four or however many footballing people that you would like to drop into the jungle and tell me what you think their luxury item would be and i understand from this as there was no other caveat that i can be as predictable as (laughs) as i can be yes yes okay (laughs) and i can be as weird as i want to be exactly so yeah we're on a bit of a break at the moment but we've plenty of topics to discuss also champions league and europa league action will be coming back to you in a couple of weeks we already had a great round of matches last week and of course we have our Euro Review Show pod with HTC so if you want to go and have a listen to the previous show to round up what's happened to refresh your memory uh, go and do that plenty of ways for you to listen thank you very much if you're listening via Audio Boom or via iTunes you can also go and find us on YouTube as well, the Offside Rule TV, and follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod. And we have our website as well. There's a Euro website on there, and there's also our regular website with plenty of features, blogs, and interviews. So you can get both via OffsideRulePodcast.com. Simple as that. So we start, ladies, with a focus on the championship. As we know, there's a break. We're sitting back having a reflection on our team 
of the season so far. Things we know could change, but it's looking great for the few teams at the top. I'm pretty sure uh, Middlesbrough, Derby, Ipswich, they'll all be up there. I'm sure we'll have players from all those teams in our starting eleven. Not a good week for me to mention Wolves in that oh, pack, is no. it, really? But could we say them? <laughs> Still in the top ten. So we're going to look at our standout players so far. And as well, who's been our manager of the season so far? So, Kate, you're going to pick as a goalkeeper. I'm going to select a back four. Lindsay, you have the midfield. And then, Kate, you're going to pick us a forward pair. And we'll all battle it out as well for our pick of manager of the season so far. So why don't we start with the goalkeeper and Kate. Who's the man in the sticks? I've gone for a bit of a twos up, actually. Lee Grant stroke Jack Butland. The reason why is that at Derby, Lee Grant's injured at the moment and Jack Butland's um, stepped in. He's gone on loan there from Stoke. But before Lee Grant was injured, that happened um, towards the end of October. He had six clean sheets in a row. So performance-wise, and when you look at the stats, he's performed very, very strongly. That equals their best run clean sheet-wise since 1912. So I think he's earned the accolade here. Um, So Jack came in when Lee was was injured towards the end of October. I thought he settled in really well. The team have wobbled a little bit since, kind of um, result-wise, and certainly haven't maintained that clean sheet run until the weekend, Lindsay Hooper, when they beat Wolves 5-0. I'll, I'll just try and entwine that result as often as I can in this Only podcast. Once. Uh, not since... They were in the Premier League of Wolves, suffered that kind of a scoreline, Hoops. Uh, But anyway, well done to Jack Butland. Kept a clean sheet there. I think he's doing very admirably in the absence of Lee Grant, who really gets my overall vote. As for my back four, um, kind of obvious, but I'm also looking to the future with mine. I've gone with Christoph Berra at Ipswich. You'll probably know of this young man under Mick McCarthy, one of of his boys. And he's a Scot as well. And as it's International Week, I've, I've got a bit of a theme going with the back four. Those have been called up to play for their national sides. It's great that he is Scottish as well. Uh, Tyron Mings uh, of Ipswich. Now, he's a real one to watch. 21 years old. Arsenal desperately trying to sign him up Mm. at the moment. So he's in my back four. (laughs) Can I suggest that they try and Mm. sign up more than just one defender? They need a few, don't they? (laughs) So you've gone for two Ipswich defenders here so far. They're just so good at the moment. They have had a really good sort of month or so. I I could have picked the whole Middlesbrough back four in actual fact. I was just about to say, if you're going to pick the best back four in the league at the moment, I've seen them firsthand. And Middlesbrough's back four will take some beating. And from my game at the weekend, I saw Reading against Charlton. Charlton's back four defended for their lives. They've also got some great defenders. Mm. So the stats might not be there, but it's always great when you see a back four coming together and playing as a unit, as they do at Middlesbrough. Um, Cyrus Christie at Derby at the moment. He, again, he's just a youngster. I've picked these two young kids because they're ones to watch. Uh, he, he's a right back. Lots of focus on him um, because he earned his first ever call-up to the Republic of Ireland mm. squad in the summer. Um, Derby right now a really key stage for him all these players will be looking to get promoted with their sides and hopefully stay with their sides and and continue to play on in the Premier League as for Middlesbrough I'm going a little bit left field here but I'm going with Ben Gibson it's actually the chairman's nephew that's right yep the whole nepotism (laughs) thing goes but he's actually really very good they've got Ryan Fredericks on your own Daniel Ayala George Friend who's really good going forward Um, Ayala probably for the stats has it for me but I'm going with Ben Gibson because I think the future's looking good for him he's homegrown he's actually from Teesside Um, he's involved in the under 21s as well he's actually gone out and done the right thing he's been on loan at Plymouth and at York and at Tranmere Um, so there you go very simple very short 
bat my back four. I would have probably picked all four for Middlesbrough, but as I can't do that, I'm going big up to Ipswich, Derby and Middlesbrough today. My midfield four, who, by the way, wouldn't play together. Um, this is just picking the best four midfielders in the championship at the moment. It was difficult, you know, and I'm sure loads of people will have opinions on this. Uh, they should tweet us, actually, and tell us who they would put in our championship 11 at Offside Rule Pod. I had to whittle it down from five players, so I'm actually going to go absent of Charlton players. I wish we'd got a Charlton player in so far. We haven't, but Callum Harriet was on the brink. Uh, instead, I've gone with Will Hughes for Derby County. Uh, we know that much has been made of him for the past few seasons. He's also having a brilliant international run at current, uh, scoring for the under-21s, as well as getting goals for Derby. Very creative, very young. So going in with your theme, Haley, of looking to the future. So I've gone for Will Hughes from Derby. I've also gone for a Wolves player, um, our most creative flair player that we have in our squad. And he changes games and he scores a lot of goals. Almost uh, going to get 100 caps for Wolves, uh, notched up. 30 goals plus um, at the moment. Bakary Sacco uh, plays on the wing for Wolves, um, getting a lot of interest. You know what? I was reading in the Express and Star, the local newspaper, when I was back in the Midlands at the weekend, and Aston Villa are eyeing him up. Keep away, Aston Villa. We want to hang on to Bakary Sacco. Um, also from Middlesbrough, I've gone for Grant Ledbitter. Um, seven goals and 15 appearances up to a point. Um, he might have even got some more over the weekend. I'm a bit behind on him now. Um, specialist in free kicks. Um, got a great passing range. Um, and I think under Ita Karanka, who will come on to our manager of the season, I think he's really flourished. So at 28, he's probably my oldest in midfield. Um, Daniel Tozer is my final one at Watford. Um, I've picked him. Regular starting 11 place for him in the Watford team at the moment. On loan from Palmer. Um, four goals. Really good with free kicks and corners, any set pieces. Um, but he's getting lots of assists as well. And lots of people, as you read through different forums about championship midfield players, saying that he's the best at the moment. If you're looking for consistency, a lot of people saying he's the best in the championship currently. So those are the four for us across the midfield. OK, well, I'll pick up on the forwards. Two strikers who are in hot, hot form at the moment. God, I feel like I sound like a really old traditional football pundit there. Hot, hot form. Um, uh, anyway, let's look at Chris Martin. Had a great season last season and he's continued that. Joint top scorer in the league so far with 10 goals. Um, Derby, in fact, the championship's most prolific scorers if you're looking for um, a team overall. Um, since he's come to Derby, actually, his fitness has much improved. He's looked much sharper. Great tactical awareness from Chris Martin. Scores a variety of goals and that's really nice, actually. You'll always be entertained when you see him score goals because there's a huge variety of them. He can drop deep as well, which is important. Um, so, yeah, continue his form from last season. I'm going to put Chris Martin up there. Rudy Gasted from Blackburn gets my other vote. Also joint top scorer in the championship. And I wanted to add a few bits of variety in here because obviously it's so easy when you're doing these teams to look at Middlesbrough, Derby and all the other high-flying teams, Bournemouth in that league. Um, but the reason why I've picked Rudy, full of confidence, <laughs> he's one of those players that basically says, I know I'm going to score as soon as I step out on the football pitch. Well, I should think so. You're a striker. How can you not say that? you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, he earned his 10th goal of the season uh, for Rovers against Brighton at the weekend. That was uh, a draw. Um, but most importantly, his goal-scoring form is helping Blackburn Rovers extend their unbeaten run to seven matches so far. So he gets my other vote. Hayley, I'll hand back to you because we're going to fight it out over the manager, aren't we? The thing is, we, we're sending our managers abroad. We've got Moyes, of course, going out to Spain and we've got wonderful Spanish manager managing in the Championship. I'd love to see Ida Carranca, formerly of Real Madrid, 
100 managing the Premier League with Middlesbrough being promoted. Don't quite know if it's going to happen, but they're on a roll at the moment. Bit of a disappointing start to the season. Yes, they had back-to-back wins against Oldham and Birmingham, but they lost to Leeds. The big rivalry actually in the northeast between these two. Middlesbrough, I guess, just slightly north of Yorkshire, uh, but there is a rivalry there. They picked up the win against Bolton, a big win for them. Um, lost to Reading and Sheffield Wednesday, and since then, they've been flying. He's had his team playing really well as a unit. He's trusting in the young players, and that's what Middlesbrough have been about for the last however many years when Southgate was in charge, uh, McLaren, Tony Mowbray, making sure that the young, talented players get a game. And he's actually continued with that. And I, I guess, yes, he's come from Real Madrid, where you have all the, the Galacticos and the big names that have played there. But they, too, having their B team, bringing the players through, he's kind of made sure he's stuck with that. Uh, and th- the locals just absolutely love him as well. Um, recent games to note, a 3-0 win over Rotherham. So clean sheet there, great defensively. Um, 4-0 against Norwich. Yes, it was at home, but again, a clean sheet. And they head into the, the international break um, with a draw against Bournemouth. Again, it was at home. It was nil-nil, but I think a clean sheet. He's got them playing, going forward really well. Even the defenders, like I'd mentioned, with Friend going forward, but just defensively really strong and just playing really well as a unit. And I think the team spirit seems to be there, which has been lacking for so many years at Middlesbrough. Well, you look at managers that maybe are on a roll or they've been given a little bit of time and are doing a job over a number of seasons. And I guess two of them that are within the top of the, the championship at the moment, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth and Steve McLaren at Derby County. It could have been really easy for the Derby County uh, board to have perhaps been a little impatient with Steve McLaren because he went and he did such a great job, but to finish third in the Championship last season and then lose out in the playoffs, it's always a massive blow. But they stuck with him and let him continue to develop the team, develop the young players that are coming through. I think he's got them playing collectively very well together with as well as having individual talent to manage. Um, so Steve McLaren would get a shout for me as, as would Eddie Howe because I think at Bournemouth it's just been a year-on-year project that they just slowly have creeped up, got better and better, and this season could well be in line to get promoted. Yeah, I've picked up on Eddie Howe as well, and in fact, if you look at where they were this time two years ago, they were sitting in the relegation places of League One, and now, as we currently record this, they're second in the Championship. Now, it took Eddie Howe coming back to the club to restart that form and to get things going. Uh, Terrific form in the Championship, matched by what's going on in the League Cup, of course. They had that win against West Brom, they've now set up a tie with Liverpool, and that's really great motivation for the team as well. It's really exciting for Bournemouth fans to see these big teams, one of whom, of course, Bournemouth won against. So uh, some good stuff going on there. Convincing results as well. 8-0 against Birmingham. That was such a heavy defeat for Birmingham, but well done to Bournemouth for taking advantage there. Yeah, and the week after, Wolves could only get a 0-0 draw with Birmingham. (laughs) Try not to depress yourself further, Hoops. Uh, 3-0 against Reading was another recent result. Uh, Unbeaten in seven in the league, so they're really, really flying, Bournemouth. Um, And I think a lot of that is down to Eddie Howe. Um, he's a great manager to watch in the way that he's steadfast and steady, but he's very ambitious as well. Um, they finished last season in the Championship a very respectable 10th. Now they could, as you say, hopes be aiming for a place in the Premier League. Whether they're ready or not is a question mark that I'd have to raise, but well done to Eddie Howe. Well, Hayley, looking at your Championship team that you asked us to put together, we have four from Derby County that are in there, two Ipswich players, two Middlesbrough players, and one from each of Watford, Blackburn and Wolves. So that's our Championship 11. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling, and you're listening to the Offside Rule. Three women talking about football. I'm used to listening to four old women talking about football on Saturday afternoons, so I definitely prefer this. So, the big news. 
in the last week is that David Moyes has a new job, not in Britain, but a British manager going abroad. So we're going to have a look at other managers who've gone abroad over the years and done really well and others who maybe not so. So who should Moyes be calling for a little word of advice in his new role as their head coach or manager of Real Sociedad? Well, I'll chip in with a classic here because it's important to remember the huge amounts of success that English managers, British managers have had abroad. I'd probably say more in the past than recently. There are a few names that we can pick out recently and I'm sure we'll mention some of them today. Um, But I want to go back to Bobby Robson, perhaps one of the most famous Englishmen to have uh, managed abroad. And uh, he, of course, took England to the semi-finals of the 1990 World Cup and after that he made the decision to leave England. First stint was at PSV Eindhoven. Uh, two league titles in two years. Not bad at all there. He then went to Portugal uh, and took Sporting Lisbon to the top of the table for the first time in 15 years. Then won two league titles with Porto. We know of course he worked with Mourinho as well in his time and the biggest job of his career was going over to Barcelona for a year and this is incredible really. Uh, obviously it does depend on the team that you inherit but not bad uh, to be in Barcelona for a year and win the Spanish Cup, the Spanish Super Cup and the European Cup Winners' Cup. Well done, Bobby Robson. Definitely one to mention. Did you know the week that Bobby Robson actually passed away, I'd got back from working with, I think it was on the Audi Cup, some tournament out, out in Germany with Manchester United. I'd flown back and obviously greeted with the really sad news. And my dad had just bought my mum a kitten because all us kids have moved out of home now. My brother's just final one to go. And it was a little black and white cat. Now, this is my family who are very much... Middlesbrough people now, my dad working at the club. And because it was black and white, we called it Bobby. So we have a little cat called Bobby after Bobby Robson. So we think of him most days. Well, on that note, Porto fans used to call him Bobby 5-0 because uh, he won a number of matches, kind of a rather extraordinary number of matches, 5-0 when he was with Porto. So he was forever known, and I can't attempt a Portuguese accent, he was known as Bobby 5-0. Maybe not to be confused with Hawaii 5-0, where he might not have fit in quite as well. Well, if we're going to reflect, first of all, I'll, I'll mention Terry Venables. He won the La Liga title in his first year at Barcelona with the Catalan Giants. Uh, The following season he lost that league by one point um, and that actually was his final campaign before he got sacked but he did experience success abroad so I'll I'll pitch him in. Um, Also we've mentioned Steve McLaren already but at FC Twente, let's not forget that that is the job that reignited his managerial career, uh, not the second time round, the first time when he took them to the Eredivisie title in 2010. He did go on to struggle in his second stint there and at Wolfsburg, but of course has made up for that at Derby County and the time that he spent under Harry Redknapp at QPR as well, where he was very, very influential too. Um, so Steve McLaren worth a mention abroad. Hmm as well as the accent. (laughs) So I'm going to mention another manager who also had links with Real Sociedad. He was the manager of them, not just links, but he was there. Um, He started his managerial career with Swansea. It was John Toshak. He went to Spain and had huge success. Um, He won the Copa del Rey, landing the big job, Real Madrid. Uh, During his first stint, he won La Liga in 1990, lifted the Spanish Super Cup um, during a spell with Deportivo, Uh, had various other jobs um, around the world um, during his career, and he then went on to work with Besiktas in 1998 and won the Turkish Cup. So those are our managers who've been extremely successful. Uh, But what about those who've been not so?
Kate. Well, I'll carry on with the Real Sociedad connection and mention Chris Coleman. After he was sacked by Fulham, he headed out to Spain to manage the side. They'd just been relegated to the uh, second tier um, and it was John Toshak who recommended uh, Coleman for the job. Um, He was basically charged with taking them back to La Liga. Um, After a slow start, the team did fairly well under him, um, but he could not make things work with the club's new president and that basically set about the deterioration in his career over in Spain and he headed back. But perhaps one of the defining failures uh, of his time there was the fact that he um, turned up to a press conference late and blamed his flooded dishwasher. All right, now we've heard some excuses in our time, okay? But if your dishwasher floods, would you be late for a press conference? Probably not. You'd probably try and get someone in to sort it out. It did transpire according to reports, that he'd been out on the town the night before. So quite how much of that was true was uh, was another matter. But yeah, he couldn't make things work. Bit of a flop over there and he came back. Um, if David Moyes wants to ring someone for a bit of advice, I suggest he gives John Gregory a wide berth. Um, this is a manager that went on to have a managerial career in Israel. Now, I don't know how much of this disaster that he had you lay at his feet in the sense that how good are Israeli footballers? What was he working with? Was this an impossible task? Because everyone who's gone out to Israel, have they all failed? I don't know. All I know is that John Gregory and Israel don't really go hand in hand. <laughs> um, after a managerial career that started in December 2009, he was head coach at Maccabee Ali Nazareth and led that club to relegation, jumped across to one of the competitive sides in Israel, which was FC Ashdod, and he resigned there in April 2011, swiftly before they face relegation too. Um, he also went on to spend the next six months with Kazakh outfit FC Karat, um, if I've said that right, and uh, lasted just six months with them as well. I don't think him and the Middle East really mix. I know that you were thinking John Gregory as well, weren't you, Hayley? Have I pipped you to it? You have. And I, he was the first one I actually thought of because I kind of remember these stories coming up when we discussed managers who've gone abroad. It's a real shame, I think, when you've had a great playing career and then you go on to be a manager and you're such a flop and every job that you get, you just gain negative headlines. Your career almost as this great football. Yeah, it is tainted somewhat. I think it's a real shame that that tends to happen. But you've also got to remember that when these managers head out to foreign teams who they're given a lifeline by sometimes in terms of earning consistent amounts of money, it can be an organisational nightmare. The whole management structure, the whole league structure in several countries doesn't help English managers who are used to a lot of uniformity. So as much as many UK managers flop abroad, a lot of it is to do with what they're faced with when they get out there. I remember actually going out and working on a documentary with Brian Robson, Captain Marvel's Thai adventure, when he went out to be the <laughs> yeah. manager of the national team, following the footsteps from Peter Reid. So he'd yeah. given him the advice that going out there and doing this would be a good thing. So he'd gone out there on this on this particular new chapter of his career and he said because he never played abroad that he wanted the chance to go abroad and do something so instead of maybe picking Italy or Spain or a little closer to home in France unfortunately for him he picked Thailand and we'd gone and done this um, documentary for Manchester United television and it was great fun being out there but the pitches they were playing on were just unbelievable it was like going to even lower than kind of a league two outfit seeing the sort of facilities that they had and of course they don't have academy systems out in a lot of these countries 
countries, particularly not in Thailand, that brought up with kickboxing and individual sports. It's not about team sports. They were actually starting to play football at university level. So they were. he was dealing with a lot of players who were in the mid to late 20s. They'd only started playing football at the age of 20. They followed football as fans, as, you know, Liverpool are massive out in Asia, as are Manchester United and um, teams like that right now. And Leicester, of course, lots of Leicester shirts out there. But I remember meeting the goalkeeper and he was shorter than me. So he was kind of up against it in terms of this whole national team and their physique. The defences were just woeful because they were all just so little. So, yeah, as you mentioned, Kate, sometimes when they're going out, they don't quite know what they're letting themselves in for. Check out the European football section on our website. OffsideRulePodcast.com Ah, brilliant. Right. And from that to rumble in the jungle. As we know, Jimmy Bullard has now gone down under to appear in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So we want to pick our own celebrities, our footballing people that we would like to send to Australia ourselves. And what do you think they would take as their luxury item? I'm going to start with David Moyes and I'm going to put him in the jungle for a little bit of a break before he goes away and send him with they learn Spanish or learn Basque because it is quite different out there. I think he's going to have trouble with the language. But as a big Scot, I'm sure it'll be okay. I just, I just want someone else to have another Steve McLaren, Steve McLaren moment because it would be brilliant. And I can imagine. I don't know what his uh, Spanish is like, boys, but he would be for me a contender to do a Steve McLaren. Quite possibly. I definitely would do one. Um, Joey Barton I'm going to put into the jungle with a blackboard, and he can teach everyone his his life learnings on philosophy. Mm, yeah. Wow. I just thought that would be quite good. <laughs> I mean, Joey Barton could just take a philosophy book, couldn't he, and just kind of preach to everyone. Um, what about Diego Simeone? Some anger management. A book, <laughs> another book. We're going for books here. Take, some, take a book on anger management. I've also got um, Mario Balotelli. We can't let one go past it without Mario Balotelli. I'd just give him some matches because he would be able to light a fire. <laughs> he would be able to set off fireworks. And if we threw Yaya Tori into the jungle, he could even light the candles on a birthday cake or a celebrate cake for whatever it is he might be celebrating at that particular time. Well, I also went with Mario Balotelli. Um, I, I think yours is more genius, actually, giving him matches, although I wouldn't condone that if anybody from the fire department's listening. Um, but a onesie um, to match his hairstyle out in the jungle. Maybe it could be a camouflage zebra or tiger onesie. Could you just imagine him sat in the jungle? Also, he'd really get very hot in it, wouldn't he? Yeah, get bothered and angry that's what we like to see Raheem Sterling I reckon he'd take a little pillow with him what do you think he'd take his own pillow so he gets some rest can I have anyone in here because so far you two have completely monopolised this topic um, I'd like to put Paul Skulls in there he may have been mute for most of his career but we know that he's come out of himself now and I want to know if that will continue in front of the TV cameras yeah. of the I'm a Celebrity lot um, he's, he's going to take a framed photo of Sir Alex with him just to kind of remind himself about standing up for himself and um, Neymar going in there for me. I don't know too much about him in terms of him speaking up publicly but I'd be quite interested to put him in there amongst some of our old boys and see how he gets on. His luxury item is some hair gel. He better not take Felipe Louise with him. Did you see the training video of him showing Neymar up at Barcelona recently? So This is a player that's not making it into the starting 11 for Chelsea. Uh, This training footage shows him basically doing him in training and he flicks the ball right over Neymar's head. Really, really good skill. Um, I'm going to go with Luis Suarez as anyone I think Kate expecting her second child should have heard of Sophie Le Giraffe have you heard oh, yes yes I have 
<laughs> oh, I see where you're going. <laughs> Explain for me. Uh, it's a teething toy called Sophie Le Giraffe, which is a French teething toy, but very popular with the yummy mummies over here. Oh. There you go. I'm going to give him one of those. And finally, shall I do my final one? Mm. Uh, Ronald Koeman. I'm going to send him into the jungle and I'm going to give him a book, we like books, of the top ten football clubs in the entire world because he'll flick through and he'll have his choice of wherever he wants to go quite soon if he carries on with Southampton. Oh, brilliant. So I love it. You can tweet us and tell us who you would put in the jungle and what you think their luxury item should be or what you would give them. Can I do my last two now? (laughs) Considering I've got a stomach the size of Gibraltar, uh, I I feel like I'm being left out here. Um, I want to put a female football player in there. And I was thinking here, and I was thinking, well, maybe Casey Stoney, her and her partner Megan have had their twins. And I thought, well, that's a bit cruel because she might miss her twins. So I'm going to put our very own Sue Smith in there. A, because I think she's lovely, but also because I think think she's a bit of a laugh. She's got slightly crazy hair and a crazy sense of style. So I think her, Neymar, Balotelli and Ronaldo, just imagine the fights that they would have over the, the, the hair the tub of hair gel. They'd literally be doing each other's hair. I'm going to stick Terry Venables in there as well because of the stories because I'm sure there's so much we don't know about Terry Venables and his career despite the autobiography and his luxury item is going to be a bookies shop. That's right. I think he likes a flutter so we're going to transport a whole betting shop over to the jungle for Terry. And we can bet on who's going to win. I think it's still going to be Jimmy. Speaking of betting shops, um, I have to tell you this because I was so chuffed. I was at West Brom versus Newcastle on Sunday. Now, as you both know, that would not have been a good journey for me to make, being a Wolves fan. I didn't feel quite comfortable in the Hawthorns, so I thought I've got to make this more interesting for myself. So I put a bet on a Newcastle player scoring first goal scorer, and I put Perez down because he'd scored in the previous two games. Mm. Popped up, first goal scorer, got me 30 quid. Wow, oh. There you are. Well done. Of course, you need to bet responsibly. Of course. (laughs) Only bet what you can afford to lose. There you go, 50p. Okay. well, thank you very much for listening once again. Make sure you go and find our Facebook page and like us on The Offside Rule. You can go to our website for lots of information, features, blogs, and to find out more about what's involved in each of our podcasts on offsiderulepodcast.com via Twitter at offsiderulepod. Um, It is updated pretty much every few minutes or hours 24 7, 365 days of the year. We might have Christmas off. You can go to YouTube and visit the Offside Rule TV channel. And you could also pick up on our review show from the Champions League and Europa League Euro pod show brought to you by HTC and you can find some competitions in there as well. So please go and have a listen. Thank you very much for listening to this pod. We shall see you for episode Unlucky 13 soon. I won't be in Unlucky 13. Ooh, I might be on a beach. I might not be here either. I might be giving birth. Uh, But we do have a special guest lined up for you, Hayley. I may see you, I may not. Who knows? Goodbye. And I will definitely see you next week, folks. Check out exclusive football content daily on OffsideRulePodcast.com.